So we're not promoting tattoos, don't worry, it's just a little joke. Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on now. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in the house today. Thank you for being here this morning. I want to thank those of you who were able to come to our prayer time this morning. And uh, we're, we're praying for Ken and Monica Gross right now. Ken, of course, as you know, is one of our elders of our church. And uh, he had a very serious, uh, well, Monica's here. Uh, we have, he had a very serious uh, uh, physical thing happen to him. He had uh, brain, uh, blood, blood on his brain. Had that operated on, and now he's in uh, ICU recovering from that. There's just a lot that goes along with that, and I don't want to get into that fully this morning. But we sure appreciate, and on behalf of the Gross family, uh, they really appreciate all your prayers. And uh, thank you for being a part of that. Uh, I want to thank you also personally for praying for our family this past week. As you know, my son-in-law, Johnny. Uh, if you don't know Johnny, I would encourage you to get to know Johnny. He's a very colorful young man. And uh, those of you that went on our missions trip with us had experienced Johnny firsthand, and he was just a lot of fun, and we're very blessed uh, to have him as part of our family. Uh, about a week and a half ago, Johnny's family went through a tragedy that a lot of you prayed about with us, and we wanted to thank you for that. And I wanted to Johnny to kind of just tell you what happened and how the Lord used that in a very mighty way this week in, in a way of thanksgiving to you for praying for us. So, Johnny? Uh, thank you guys for for praying for my family, as Ed said. Um, last Thursday, I got a call. Uh, me and Gary were at Boys Club, which is a, a mentor kids at a public middle school in Richardson. That my brother, my brother died of heroin overdose, um, and it was that was tough on, on my family. And I, so I appreciate appreciate the prayers, and I, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And so we flew home. And um, my dad was just—he just was unable to to put stuff together. So me and Christina um, helped him do that, and it was cool because we just—we kind of just put stuff over social media. And my dad didn't want anything in paper and stuff like that. And we held the service at our old church in Philadelphia, um, and the response we got was awesome. There was like lines around a block to come in. There's probably like. Close to a thousand people, maybe there. I'm not sure exactly how many, but and I'm, I'm just a normal, I'm just a normal, ordinary guy. But God used myself, Pastor Ed, um, on it was Monday night that, that we had the memorial service, and I'm, I'm like, I was sitting in the front row, and I'm not paying attention exactly. But Ed told me to turn around because we gave an invitation. I, I spoke, and then Ed did, and from what I understand, it was close to about a hundred people who accepted Christ that night. And um, it's not because of that. And it's not because of anything I am, because I'm the most ordinary guy you'll ever meet in your life. I just love Philadelphia sports teams. Um, I get that from him. But, but what we, we talked about afterwards, because a couple of them went out to eat. Like, people came in there that would never hear the gospel in any other circumstance other than what happened that night. And we just... We can just see that people ex people are accepted, will accept hope. Like, they don't know that they need that, but when they see that hope, and, and you know, obviously it's through God, not anything I said, but people accept the hope. Like I said, over 100 people came to know Jesus, and, and we were just thinking about the church here, and our all-in campaign, and things are happening. Grosses, I'm praying for you every second of the day. I love you guys so much, it's not even funny. But, like, I don't think it's coincidence that 
when Pastor Shirley was up here and he was talking about the All In campaign and what are we going to do to take that step of faith, that, that things, are, things are happening in the families' lives of our church. And I heard said before, a strong church is, only, is made up of strong families. And I, and I f- fully believe that. And it just kind of gave me a revamp vision of what does it mean for us to be all in here. Because people need hope. And the only way that they're going to see that hope is, is if we give it to them. And it just challenged me and my family. What are we going to do for the All In campaign? And and just if we step back and let God do something out of our control, exceedingly abundantly, that all you know, whatever we can think, it's going to be above that. And you know, that's all to the glory of God. So I just thank you guys for praying. Continue prayers from our family. Um, thanks so much. Hey, two things. Talk about Uncle Joey. Come on, Uncle Joe. So my family is Italian, obviously, as Ed making fun of me for it, but it's okay. Um, sorry, I'll let it go. I forgive you. But yeah, my Uncle Joe like is like the opposite of you know the Christian life, and on because of like my, my brother kind of he didn't have nowhere actually to live. He was kind of living with my aunt a little bit, my uncle, and he had we went to my aunt's house. He's like closed like in a corner, like. And now he's living in a mansion in heaven, and that just blows my mind. But um, my uncle was heartbroken, and I was able to kind of start witnessing to him and things like that. And I asked him on Sunday night, I said, Uncle, he was, I was walking me to my car, I said, Uncle Joe, I was, I was able to just flat out share the gospel with him. And I said, is this something you want to do? Me and you pray right now. And he said, Jesus, he said, no, you know, that's, I just can't do this right now. And I said, that's, you know, that's cool. I'm going to keep praying for you. And then Monday, I went for a run. And he called me. He goes, you're never going to guess where I'm at in a million years. And I said, well, you're, you're probably right. I won't then. Where, you know, what, what are you doing? And he said, I just, I was driving around and I, and I just couldn't wait any longer. So my church, my home church that he's never been at, the people he's never seen or came in contact with, he said, I just drove up there and I got saved. I just went and talked to your pastor. I talked to uh, two of the pastors there, Timmy and Pastor Aaron. And he said, I accepted Jesus. And um, that, there was just a blessing and the crazy that now I can have a conversation about certain things with my uncle that I, that I never, you know, other than through God, would never happen. And he's like, my pastor Ed's coming on Monday night service, and he's just like pumped up telling people, hey, I, I'm, I'm Uncle Joe, I got saved. Like, he's calling himself Uncle Joe, like everyone knows who that is. But it was just, and he's like, it's just crazy to see the transformation within a day of having no hope to what hope can bring into someone's lives. And if we step out these doors, like people need hope, guys. And that's the only way that's going to happen is if we go all in. What does that take? Guess what? It's going to take a sacrifice. What is that sacrifice that your family's going to take? And then we need to share that hope with others, not just sitting in this room. I, I heard something the other day that the church is like the only organization that exists for its non-members. Yeah. Like that's what we're here for, for people outside these walls and for people that we bring in. And um, my family's all in. I'm, I'm all in for this church, all in till the end. And I, I appreciate you guys. Thanks, John. Good job. praying for us, and it was just uh, it was a tough week, but it's been just neat to see the Lord work in people's lives. Hey, if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite your attention to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. The title of my message today is called, Your Call, no, excuse me, Your All, His Call, That's All. Your All, His Call, and That's All. Um, 
we've been doing this study uh, called All In. We've, we, we started out this study by, by, by talking about how there's a direct connection when it comes to our faith and a movement of God. Uh, God wants us to believe. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and, and I want you to finish this verse for me. Without faith, it is what, church? Say it to the people next door who can hear you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the way we please God with our lives is to have faith. It's for us to believe in things that don't seem believable. It's for us to strive for the things that maybe not even personally achievable, but of believing in that God must do that work in and through us. And, and, and we, we were, we, the first week when we talked about this, we submitted to you that when Jesus went back to his hometown, his work amongst his people was hindered because of their lack of faith. The Bible said in, in the book of Matthew, I think it's 13 or 14, that, that Jesus did not do miracles there in his hometown because his own people didn't believe. Uh, they didn't believe that he was the son of God. They didn't believe that he had God working in and through him, that he was God in the flesh. And because of that, there was work that was, if you think about this for a second, left on the table. It wasn't completed. Maybe work that, that Jesus had intended to go do, but he did not go and do because people didn't believe. And we talked about how healthy it is when, uh, when we talked a week about, uh, about getting out of the boat, how healthy it is for us to be in a place where we're crying out to God, Lord, help me. And I want to ask you that question again this morning. How many of you recently have cried out to God and said, Lord, help me? Raise your hand up in the air. Uh, we prayed this morning for Kenan and his family that, that the Lord would help them. And, and we prayed on their behalf for that to happen. And maybe you have a specific uh, prayer burden that's in your life. Maybe it's a personal stuff that you're going through. Maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's a physical burden. Uh, I don't know what that burden it would be, but in that time of desperation when Peter had nobody else to cry out to, he cried out to the Lord. And I think that's a great place for us to understand that God wants us all to be. So we talked about how God wants to work in and through us and how he desires to bless us like crazy, as, as Johnny was talking to you about earlier. So I want to read this story for you out of Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to start reading in verse number uh, 34. God's word says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Pharisees, this is so great because uh, when there, there were times when Jesus would teach, uh, and you read through this in the Gospels, that, that he would, at the end of his teaching, the people were just speechless. They just didn't know what to say. And, and, and that's kind of a hard crowd. You, know, you don't know if they're listening or proving. There was no amens out there. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their intentions. And the Bible says he had silenced the Pharisees. The Pharisees got to the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, who was an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. So he was a lawyer uh, that was part of the group of the Pharisees. He said, teacher, which law or which is the greatest commandment of the law? And then Jesus replied. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Uh, verse number 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, Who do you think, who do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And, and I want to stop there because just as he finished telling them, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. The next part of that question is, Okay, who do you guys think the Messiah is? 
So who do you think that he is? You know, and they just did not have an understanding of who Jesus Christ was. And, and it's very plain and simple here. You know, it's amazing. If, if you understand uh, the Old Testament, the book of the law, and you understand the first five books of the Bible, there are over 660. I think there's about 669 or 672. It just depends on who you're asking or which Wikipedia guy you're talking about. But uh, there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. And the Pharisees knew every single one of them. And what the Pharisees were is they were law keepers. They would go and identify areas in people's lives where they were not keeping up with, the, with, with biblical law. They were, they were experts in the law, but they were also very, very judgmental in their spirit. They would, tell, they would go up to somebody and they would say, hey, you're not doing this, you sacrificed wrong, you, you, you put your sacrifice out too early, you're doing work on the Sabbath. And one of the biggest confrontations that the Pharisees had with Jesus when he was uh, doing his ministry here on the earth was was all surrounded uh, by the, the Sabbath. There was just a, they just had the strange understanding of what the Sabbath was. And they made the Sabbath this, this almost a day that they were worshiping in and to itself instead of worshiping the God of the Sabbath. They didn't understand the principle of what God instituted for them all the way back in the Old Testament. So when, when Jesus would feed people, they would say, why are you doing this? This is the Sabbath. And Jesus would say, is it better for them to go hungry? David, when he went out, he went out and took showbread out of the temple one day because these guys were hungry. Uh, they would get mad at him for performing miracles on the Sabbath. They would get upset with him for forgiving sins on the Sabbath. And all these confrontations, they were looking at it, and it's amazing when you think about this. Uh, the Bible says in the book of John, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. These guys that knew the Old Testament, like super duper amount of memorization. A lot of these Pharisees that were Pharisees for years and years could recite to you not just verses or chapters, but Genesis all the way through the end of the book of Deuteronomy. That's like, that's almost a third of the whole Bible and they memorized the whole thing. That's crazy. And they knew these laws like the back of their hand. But you know what's funny? They didn't understand who the lawgiver was himself, and that was God. And they didn't understand that when Jesus came, it wasn't about the law, it was about grace. And they made, they made this hyper-legalism part of their religious system, and it had absolutely nothing to do with a relationship with God. So Jesus, is, when, when Jesus said to them this one statement, love this statement, love God with all your heart, my soul, strength, love your neighbors yourself, and then he makes this statement. It is a huge statement to the Pharisees. If you understand the way that they were keepers of the law, knew the law, memorized the law, carried themselves with piety because they were keepers of the law. Jesus said this to them. Love God with all your heart, my soul, strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And every law that you spend your entire life memorizing and teaching about, all of those things that you say, blah, 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 all rest on those two laws. And basically, you know what he was telling them? All that stuff that you know doesn't mean anything. Because you don't understand the two most important principles. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. You know, that sounds really simple. And, and we would agree with that, right? If you agree with that, say amen. We're supposed to love God and love people, right? Tell somebody you sit next to you, love them. Say, I love you. I love you. If you don't love them, just give them a nod. Like, yeah, he's weird. I understand. That's okay. Have you ever had somebody say to you that you've never met before, I love you, and you're like, hey, thanks, bud. You know, you don't really know what to say. Uh, I, I, I probably told you this before when Kim and I were dating, I told her I loved her for the very first time. Have I ever mentioned this, honey? 
Many times repent. <clears throat> cool and the gang was on the radio. Joanna, I love you. Joanna, I love you. So I looked over, I looked at Kim, and I said, Kim, I love you. And she looked back at me and she went, thanks. <laughs> that's what she said, and you can ask her after church. But that's awkward, right? But if you think about that, that's all we're supposed to do. And all these other things that happen in our life, consequences of that, really do come back to those... Uh, why, why, why are we talking about this all the time? Why do we want to go on? Why are we encouraging our people to make a sacrificial gift to the church uh, the, the first week of June? We're going to commit next week after our walk together as a church body. Uh, do, why are we doing all this? It's because we love God. And we want God to use us to do something supernatural in and through us. We want to believe and have such strong faith that maybe God will do extra miracles in our church if such a thing would exist. We want to pray believing that when we do pray for our brother to be healed this morning in Jesus' name, that God will do that because he sees the faith that's in his people. We want to pray that way, believe, love God, and love people. So if you understand it, if God wants us to give us uh, wants us to give our all, and that's his call, and that's the bottom line, then we look at these two commands that Jesus made, and, and, and we understand how much he wants to bless us and work in and through of our lives. The first command is this. Love God with your all. Loving God with your all. What, is, what does it look like to love God with your all? We're told uh, in commercials, in the world, in our culture, in our society, uh, Facebook is a magnificent thing. A lot of people were watching our prayer service this morning on Facebook. We have missionaries all over the world that texted me this morning and said that was really cool. We were watching. That was really, really awesome. Uh, bearing some of this burden for the gross family. We love that because of their impact on, on, on the missionaries' lives. But um, Facebook is kind of funny. This is kind of this is prom season, right? And and all these funny things have happened in and around prom. Like I could see my, my nephew's prom stuff the other night. Uh, friends we have all over the country, their kids are going to prom. And it's funny how Facebook is like the center of, of what we do now. We, 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 do, we do invites, we do pictures, we do those things because Facebook exists. There's things that we didn't do 10 years ago that we do because of Facebook. You know that, right? Selfies is a big one of those things. You know, taking pictures of yourself. And everybody does it to a certain extent, I'm sure. Most people do. Uh, where we take pictures of ourselves. Sometimes we say, I'm not, I wasn't really taking a picture of myself, I was taking a picture of those people behind me. <laughs> well, you could have done it like this, so, you know, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other story. But I, I see all these really, really uh, comparative ways that boys are asking girls to go to the prom. Right? They'll make these big poster boards. Uh, you know, if, if you don't go to the prom, you know, you, you know, I, I can't go to the prom. Or get those like these really weird columns and really weird. Uh, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? These really weird promy invite, you know, super duper mushy things. And I saw one yesterday. I thought it was really, really funny. I said, "There's no way that 16-year-old boy thought of that without his mother's help. His game is not that strong for him to do that, unless he's got cousins in different states that they saw on Facebook and saw what they wrote, right?" Uh, we're told on TV uh, that if you really want a good kiss, guys, if you want a good kiss from your wife, you need to buy her a piece of jewelry from Kay. <laughs> because every kiss begins with Kay, right? 
So, I, I, I don't know, but we, we do all this comparison uh, of how we're supposed to love and how we're told that we're supposed to love. And when it comes to loving God with your all, what does that look like? And, 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 and something I want to share with you this morning is this. If you love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, uh, then, there's, then there's an understanding that there's an involvement and an investment with Jesus and His kingdom. Uh, and what does that mean? That means we're consumed by Him. How can I please God today? How can I honor God today? How can I, it's, listen, it's not just about honoring God with your resources. I know that's a big part of that. We talk about that. That's something you hear about in church. And, you know, it's funny. People that give love when you talk about giving because they're already doing that. Uh, people that don't give kind of squirm a little bit and say, oh, I know he's talking right to me. Listen, I don't know what anybody does in this room except for me and Kim. Uh, I know what we're talking about. I know what we're praying about. I know what we're asking the Lord to do in and through us for this thing. I, know, I, I do know that. I don't bear that burden of what you guys do when it comes to your giving. Okay, That's between you and the Lord. But I just want to encourage you as we go through this faith journey together and provoke you to maybe understand what God does want you to do. Because when you're consumed, listen, there's, there, there's something to be said about faithfulness to the Lord's house every single Sunday. I admire you for that. I applaud you for that. I thank you for that. Man, it's a lot easier speaking to people than it is an empty building. I promise you that. It's great to come in and be surrounded by people you love. It's great to meet new people. We have some new folks in our church this morning. Uh, it's great when I get ready to start the service and I see Monica walk in the door and I'm like, I don't know what to say right now. But I was encouraged by that to see you in the house this morning. You know, uh, it, it's great to have a church family. But listen, being a part of a church family and church community has nothing to do with Sunday. It has everything to do with every day of the week. Are you consumed by the person of Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these blessings, all these things will be given unto you. Are you consumed? If you love God with, all of you, with your all, then you're not only consumed with his person, but here's something else that's very important. You're consumed with his principles. Colossians 3, 17, and I'm going to read verse 23. God's word says this in the book of Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. And then in verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not with human masters. Uh, Kim and I, uh, two or three weeks from now, we're going to have our 33rd wedding anniversary. I would tell you something I know about being married for 33 years. Uh, and some of you guys have been married a long time. You can definitely understand this. I'm still learning how to be a good husband. If you're still trying to be a good husband, say amen, guys. Come on, I'm trying to help your brothers out here this morning, okay? Right? I'm still learning. Right? There's things that, that I like to do. And listen, it's a lot different than the things that Kim likes to do. I've been, I've been very happy the last three days watching all the rounds, every pick of the NFL draft. I'd have been by myself doing that. There's no way she would have done that with me, right? But I wanted to spend time with her. So we did, so I, I, I want to do things that she likes to do. I like to go to restaurants that she likes to go to. I like to do things that she, and, and, and we, we do that for each other. There's no question about that. But I'm not going to go out and get her a gift that represents something that I like. When I buy her a gift, I want to get her something that she cares for, that she values, that she desires to have. 
And what's amazing uh, about our relationship with the Lord, uh, you know, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about the offering of Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain and Abel both gave an offering to the Lord. Abel's sacrifice was a more excellent sacrifice. We think that was, that was solely centered on the fact that it was a blood sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice was a vegetation, a fruit sacrifice, but had everything to do with the first fruit principle. Cain gave what he had left over, Abel gave his first fruits, right? And there's a thing to understand about our relationship with God, some things that he desires from you. He desires your full attention. He desires your whole heart. He desires your whole life. And the reason he wants those things is not so he can make you. I had a buddy of mine that I invited to come to church a couple years ago. He said, listen, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. There's just too many rules. I don't want to have to buy dressy clothes. I don't want to have to stop doing this. I don't want to, and he said this to me, I don't want to stop going to the movies and worry about how, how, uh, how much I cook my steak, whether it's raw or well done. I don't want to mess with all that stuff. I said, dude, let me just tell you this. First of all, God doesn't care what you wear to church. Somebody say amen to that. God's best has nothing to do with your clothes. Now, we do have a rule in our church, one clothing rule, no naked. Okay, we don't want anybody coming naked to church. It's very distracting and do, okay? So we don't want to do that. But, but frankly, we kind of put that thing around, well, God's best is, God's best is, what's what? No, it's not about what you wear, it's what your heart is. It's your heart. God wants all of your heart. He wants you to honor Him with all of your life and, 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 and things like that. And, and, and when He said that to me about cooking a steak raw or well done, He said, I know that's in the Bible somewhere with all those other kooky rules. So I was like, is that really in the Bible? So I want to start looking. Am I supposed to cook my steak? Because I'm going to tell you something. That's one way you know if you ever have dinner with me that I am not, don't be mad at me for this, that I am not born and raised in Texas. Because I like my steaks medium well to well done. Jeff, I'm sorry. I know that that's hard for some of you to believe that. I've had dinner with some of you guys. Y'all take a da 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 da, and I'm going to take that medium rare. I just I couldn't do that. I need that thing cooked a little bit. I don't want the, the, the bodily fluid still coming out. I want it cooked. You know? That's what I, listen, God, God's role in your life is to be a cosmic killjoy of all that you love. Oh, we got to follow all these rules. Being a Christian, got to follow these rules. i got to do this, do this, do this, do this. I'm never going to be good enough. And here's what's freeing about that. Can I tell you something this morning? You're not going to be good enough. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. We're not good enough. But that's, that's the thing about God. He's not looking for the perfect because he sent the perfect one to take care of the imperfection. <laughs> Through his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to be consumed with this principle. So we want to be involved and invested with Jesus and his kingdom. We want to be involved and invested with what he loves the most. And that's his church, his bride. God wants us to love what he gave his son for, the church. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right... To become the children of God. We've had dear friends of ours, uh, even families in our church, that have adopted children. And man, there's just a beautiful, beautiful story uh, that, that's put together when, when families adopt kids. It's just so neat to be a part of that beginning and the middle of it and when the ado adoption comes to fruition. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. But it's such a beautiful picture about what Jesus Christ did for you and I. 
He gave himself so that you could be one of his kids. Now, when we say one of his kids, you say, okay, I'm, I'm a church member. I'm a Christian. I'm, now, listen, j just like I have four girls, and my four girls are, 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 are children that, that Kim and I have had together. And we have two and a half grandchildren right now uh, that we're very, very thankful for. One's in the oven. It's kind of percolating right now. We're going to have her soon. But, and we celebrate that. And we're excited about that. Those kids are going to have the full loving benefit of Kiki and Poppy. Man, they're just going to know who we are. We're going to be a big part of their lives. Uh, as much as I could imagine or dream or think that I think I may love my kids, God loves them way more than I do. And he gave him, gave my kids, and gave you, and gave me something I couldn't give. And that was a way for us to be forgiven, us to have a relationship with him. Children of God are part of his family with full privileges. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of that. It says, now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Romans chapter 12 says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all of the others. So what are we as children of God? We're supposed to be part of the family of God, but children of God are also called to invest or pour into or be a part of the lives of other people. When Johnny was giving his testimony a minute ago, he was talking about a ministry uh, that Gary leads through our youth ministry that, that Kevin's a part of, Kevin Tienan. Uh, who else goes to that adult-wise? Does anybody else in here that goes to that? I don't want to miss anybody. Well, there's room for more, that's for sure. Uh, but they go to, what, some of you guys go to the school they go to, right? I thought, who does? You guys do, right? What school is it, honeybee? Richardson West? <laughs> West Junior High, Richardson West Junior High? Okay. Those are jazz dance, by the way, if you're wondering. But uh, they, they minister Richardson West Junior High. I think it's called Boys Club, if I'm not mistaken. And they go and they play, and they do basketball, and they do a bunch of stuff hanging around with the kids. But they get a chance every single week to give them some kind of character-driven lesson about how they can become men of honor. And Gary's kind of developed this reputation in school, and he's coming down to school. They say, oh my gosh, Jesus is coming. They, call, they actually call him Big Jesus or Red Jesus or something, right? And uh, because Gary's just invested in his life. And listen, he's making a difference. Johnny's making a difference. Kevin's making a difference in the lives of these kids. What I tell you, it cost them something. It cost them their time. It cost them some resources. It cost them doing other things that they may want to do that day. I called Kevin when I got back into town. I wanted to, him and I hang out uh, sometimes during the week. I said, hey, man, you want to go out? I said, I can't today. Man, I'd love to go out with you today, but I got boys club today. Ah. He said, you want to go? I said, I can't today. I had a lunch appointment with this guy named Kevin. So it was kind of a weird to put that together. But it, it costs something to invest in the lives of others. Uh, we have 15, maybe, maybe more than that, people in our church today. For those of you that are parents, I know that you appreciate this. That are in our kids' ministry rooms. Not singing with us. Not listening to the message. Not being part of the prayer service. Not doing anything we're doing because they're doing what? Because they got up and got ready for church today. Ready for this? To go change diapers and watch kids. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you something. As a guy, it, 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 when I was getting up and getting ready in the morning, I was doing my routine, getting ready for church this morning. And I was thinking to myself, man, I can't wait to get to go to church, to go in the nursery, so some babies can puke on me. I don't know what my attitude would be like. 
right? But when you're investing in others, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you sometimes what you may want to do. And I'm not talking about finances here. I'm talking about it's yourself, your personal investment in the lives of others. When you take time to pour into people, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you resources. It's going to cost you maybe some things that you want to do on yourself. Why do we do that? That's what loving God with your all looks like. So Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second thing he said, love your neighbor with your all. With your all. Loving your neighbor with your all looks like this. There's an involvement and an investment with sharing God's message. With sharing God's message. Uh, Johnny was talking to you earlier about it. Uh, the, the funeral was done at our old church last week. I mean, our old church family just, man, they ministered to us. They, they, they were such a blessing. Uh, to, to Johnny's family and our family, we were very, very thankful uh, to be a part of that special day. But the whole point of that day was so that we could, we, we talked about Mike's life and we shared some funny stories. Uh, you, don't, you don't know Mike, you know that Mike's Johnny's brother. When you hear the word drug addict, you may have a perception of that. Oh, he must have been this. Mike was a great guy. Mike was fun, Mike was funny. Uh, Mike was extreme. Mike went to Baptist Bible College for two years, believe it or not, uh, and wanted to serve the Lord and be in the ministry. But Mike, Mike's heart was broken when he was about 12 or 14 years old because his mom died of cancer. And Mike's just had a tough life, you know, ever since that. I remember when Mike was, uh, when I was at the church in Philadelphia, Mike was kind of wandering a little bit. And Mike had a big heart for sports. And I shared the story at the funeral that uh, I asked Mike to play on our church softball team. Now, we didn't play church softball in a church softball league. We played in a bar league. And uh, we, were, we were very careful. I talked to our guys, listen, the reason we're here is we're going to meet some other families, love on some guys, play as hard as you can, but we're not going to argue with the refs. We're not going to have unsportsmanship conduct. We came and we brought Gatorades for the other teams. At the end of the game, we said, hey, we're getting ready to pray. If you guys want to join us, does anybody have a prayer request that Maybe we can remember on behalf of the family. really made an impact on those guys. It was literally called the Delco Bar League. You had bar, 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 bar in the Bridge Church. It was awesome. And those guys liked us. They really did. And we, had, we really developed a good rapport with them. But one game, we said, man, we gotta get, we got to get Mikey back in church. we got to get Mike back in church. So Mike, come on, you got to play. Now, you, church softball guys have, have a lot in common. First of all, you usually have like a little bit of a gut. Right? Because they eat a lot, not because they're beer bellies, hopefully. Who knows? But uh, they, they wear the t-shirts. You know, there's, there's a funny thing with old guys. They kind of hang on to their old t-shirts. When they should be wearing extra larges, they still like that medium that they used to have. You know, they wear that. But I always thought it was funny when guys would come out and play softball with jeans on. Oh, that just cracked me up. And like old tennis shoes instead of wearing cleats or, you know, even something that looked a little bit like softball, you know? Not Mike. No, sir. I asked Mike to come out and play on our softball team. He had baseball pants on, not like the cheesy bait, but like real baseball pants from like minor league or whatever he did when out of college. Uh, he had all the gear on, gloves and bands and, and, and all this stuff. I mean, he had a big bag with like six bats inside of it. I said, why do you have all those bats? Well, you know, it's because of speed of the pitch. And, you know, he would just tell us about all this stuff. And you know I'm telling you the truth, Johnny. And uh, I said, I said, Mike, it's slow pitch softball. 
How many different bats you need with slow? You can use a cricket wicket for slow pitch softball. It's just a high arcing ball that you just hit as hard as you can. No, nah, man, you got to know the pitcher and the spins, and you just watch. You go all. And his big thing, I play. I got to play my best. I got to play my best. He makes this crazy play. This guy hits a line drive, third baseline. He runs, and just like a sports center, da 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 da. He dives, extends his body, catches the ball. It was an unbelievable play. And the ref said, no, the ball hit the ground. And everybody on that field knew he caught the ball. Mike gets up and flips out. <laughs> he says all those words get beeped out on television today. Said every single one of them. You blankety blankety, you gotta be kidding me. I said, hey, can we get a timeout? I'm gonna talk to our third baseman for a second. I said, Mike, you can't say the F-bomb in front of these guys. Well, that's how they talk. I know, listen. Listen, we're here so that they can get saved. He said, I'm going to tell you something. He got my face, too. They will not respect us if we stink. They want to see us lay ourselves out and be the best softball players. You know when they're going to get saved when they see that we're better than them. I said, okay, I'm down with all that, but you can't say the F-bomb anymore. He goes, okay, let's play. He went back and he was good. I did all that. But it means, if you, if you love your neighbor, you're all, you, you, you've got to invest. It's going to take something of yourself in sharing the message of Jesus Christ. You know, when, when, when my brother and I went to the Super Bowl, it was very interesting. There was a lot of people outside the Super Bowl, bullhorns, minus 16 degrees. Like, I'm going to stop to get witness to when it's minus 16 degrees, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, you vile sinners, spending all this money on this, per, this uh, pursuit of worldliness. Repent, repent. I wonder if one person, one of the 80,000 people walking in the Super Bowl went, you know what, you're right, I should have spent this money on the Super Bowl ticket. I'm going to get saved because this guy's yelling at me through a megaphone. <laughs> I just don't think that's how people receive the message of Jesus Christ's life. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm a knucklehead more than anybody is. But sharing God's message is something Jesus told us in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, really early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, went off to the solitary place that he prayed. Simon Peter's companions went to look for him. When they found him, they said, everybody is looking for you. And Jesus said, let us go somewhere to nearby villages so I can preach there. Because that's why I've come. Yeah. He came to tell the message of repentance, of restoration, of forgiveness, and of wholeness. We involve ourselves and invest ourselves in sharing God's message, and we involve ourselves and invest ourselves in God's ministry. I read this verse during our prayer service this morning, Luke chapter 4, 18. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is a verse that was back in the book of Isaiah. Because he has anointed me, called me, ordained me, commanded me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. There's an involvement and there's an investment in God's mission, the church. Why would we, I mean, think about this. I've got a buddy that's a Cleveland Browns fan. If you know anything about football, they didn't win any games last year. And he came to the draft this week in Dallas and he reached out and said, I found a place. I bet $100. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just telling you a funny story. I bet a hundred dollars. You know what? If the if the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl, 
that $100 bet's going to turn into like something like $80,000 or something crazy for 100 bucks. I said, why would you do that? And he looked at me with a straight face and he said, didn't the Eagles win the Super Bowl last year? <laughs> that was hurtful. <laughs> that was very hurtful that he said that to me. But if you, if you look at all the resources that we want to put into our new property, you know, the whys of our new property are not because it's, a, because it's a cooler place and we're going to have a lot of cool stuff. The why behind our new property is not, uh, frankly, it's not anything to do with anything negative about our past. We're thankful for our past. It got us to where we are today. We prayed about that on Good Friday. What we want to do when we move is momentum, is draw attention not to ourselves, draw attention to God, so that people will come in, and maybe they'll see stuff they like. Maybe they'll like our coffee. Maybe, but listen, all that stuff is super surfacy. It's all going to have to do with the way we receive people, the way that we love people, and the way that we present the message of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. That's our why. Yeah, we want to move. We want to get into this new building. We want to do some great stuff and, 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 and have tools to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the priority, the why behind our mission goes back to Acts 1 verse 8, the last words spoken by Jesus Christ when he was here on this earth. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And that's for us. That's Plano and Richardson in this part of Texas, North Texas. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God wants us to have ministry simultaneously Locally, a little bit outside of our area, a little bit of outside that area, and all over the world. We support missionaries all over the world. We're sending missionaries. Our Nick and Katie, uh, who came in this morning to help out, um, to make sure we were good this morning, because uh, uh, Kelsey took off today and she still came to church. So you get credit. You get church credits today, Kelsey. So thank you. Um, they're in a, they're, they're, you know where they're at today? They're in a Spanish-speaking church, speaking English through a Spanish interpreter to a Spanish church. Isn't that pretty cool? Uh, raising their support to be missionaries that God's called them to do out of this church. Yeah. Out of this church. So here, here's the principle I want to share with you before we pray. God is counting on our all. He wants all of our attention. He wants all of our attention. And if we're really going to make an impact on this community... Our community needs our attention too. So if we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we love our neighbors yourself. There's a verse that God did for us, and I want to parallel to you, and then we're going to pray. It says that God demonstrated his love for us. Think about that, 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 that phrase for a second. God demonstrated his love for us so that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. So what I'm asking you this morning is, will you demonstrate your love to God today by giving Him all of your attention, by considering what your investment would be in, in His ministry, in His church, in this endeavor that we're going to do together, however the Lord leads you, we're just going to do it together. And, and, and do you love this community enough to demonstrate your love to them? When we get over in that new building, I want to promise you something. God help us. And we prayed this on, on Good Friday. We're not going to go into that building and say, look what we accomplished. Oh, we're the man. Oh. No, sir. 
We're going to say, look what God did, and direct people to look what God wants to do with you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you.